Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Hello, welcome to the Recruitment Flex. So this week we have two episodes, one on diversity and inclusion with magnificent guests. This one is an episode I recorded with uh, as a guest on Pulse by Health Job Hub. So do go check out the video. Um, the YouTube channel is Pulse by Health Job Hub. It was a great conversation I had with Prasanti talking about employment brand. Hopefully I can bring some knowledge, but it was definitely a lot of fun. So enjoy. Hello and welcome to our Facebook Live show, Pulse by Health Job Hub. I am Prashanti Naidu, founder of healthjobhub.com. On today's show, we are going to be sharing with you tips and advice on how to create an authentic employer brand. I am super excited to introduce my special guest joining us live on Pulse. It's Serge Boudreaux, founder of the Recruitment Flex, podcast and highly successful talent acquisition leader. Good morning, Serge. Thank you for joining us. How are you today? Good morning, Prasanchi. I'm doing great. It's actually the long weekend. Uh, it's beautiful out there, so can't complain at all. Awesome. Awesome. And thank you so much for being my special guest, uh, part two on uh, Health Job Hub. And, you know, Part one was extremely popular. It was a huge hit. I have to say, we have thousands of viewers that's tuned in and watched uh, how to be successful when applying to a job online. So thank you for those awesome tips and advice. I'm excited for today's show. Um, but just in case, Serge, if any of our viewers missed past one, do you mind just sharing a little bit more about yourself and telling us about your background and your great work experience? Well, I can definitely. So, and I'm glad that episode went well, because as you know, we had some technical difficulties. So, but hopefully some people got some value out of it, which is great. Uh, give you like a quick background as far as, so I've been in recruitment for, I guess, close to 20 years now. So I, I've done practically every role I spent a long time uh, on the vendor side. So I worked at Indeed. Uh, so I was the director of Western Canada and I was at Workopolis for almost seven years. So for those who remember Workopolis used to be quite popular here in Canada, quite well known. Uh, so spent a lot of time there. And now uh, I am, um, I'm a practitioner. I lead a talent acquisition team for a local tech company. And also I have the podcast of Recruitment Flex, which uh, really has, right now I'm so blessed and fortunate for Santi. It has the, the best guests. Like I think we've had every big name in recruitment join us. So I've learned a lot from it. Um, on a personal side, I am a father of three, including uh, one and a half year old identical twins and a yeah. five year old. And uh, I'm married to the most amazing woman that just keeps it uh, all aligned and keeps me aligned as well. Oh my goodness, that's brilliant. And hats off to you for having three kids under, uh, what's it, five? Well, five. So yeah. Mary, my oldest one just turned five. So yeah, it's, <laughs> as you know, it's uh, it's a handful for sure. But I know we get it done. Um, and it's, it's a blessing. So I can't complain. <laughs> 
Yeah, and and also to then found and create this amazing podcast search. So I have to admit that today's topic was actually um, planted in my mind by your podcast because recently you've been talking so much about employer branding and you've had some amazing guests on your mm-hmm. show as you've outlined. Um, so yeah, if anybody doesn't know, uh, definitely tune in to the Recruitment Flex. Serge, where can they find it and... Um, What's it? What's all the details? Yeah, so basically, anyone it's um, it's available on every podcatcher. So if you yeah. listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify is I think those are the two biggest one. Google Podcasts, but we're pretty much on every small podcast. So when just go to whatever podcast uh, yeah. listener you go to, just type in the Recruitment Flex and you'll find us. Uh, we can also be found on the RecruitmentFlex.com. You can listen there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a LinkedIn page under the Recruitment Flex. So there's multiple ways that you can find it. But yeah, if you're interested in employment brand uh, recruitment. Um, definitely there's some good topics and you're right we've had the people in employment brands so james ellis the author of talent chooses you was recently on our episode which Mm -hmm. is basically the bible of employment brand the the guy is just a genius gets it been working a long time then we had elena valentine who is the ceo skill scout and she talks a lot about leveraging video in your recruitment marketing and employment Mm -hmm. brand so some of the topics and the answers i'll give you uh prasanti might be just complete me telling you what they said because they had amazing um, amazing knowledge that they shared with my audience so hopefully I can share some of that to you as well brilliant 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 and I think employer branding is such an important issue especially for our healthcare organizations especially for clinics because you know really uh, the clinics that I work with are really in, you know, looking for those in-demand, hard-to-find candidates, and they are trying to do everything possible to be able to, uh, you know, like get a physician or for a nurse to join their team. And one of the uh, sort of competitive advantages that they could actually uh, start implementing is employment branding. So I am so excited by today's uh, episode. I think we're going to have so much value for these healthcare organizations and employers. Um, So let's get started. What would you say is uh, employment brand? Like, you know, just let's start with the basics. What is employment brand? Yeah, I think it's a good question. And and hopefully we can go on that subject uh, as far as how these smaller clinics can compete against the big guys. So like the the health authorities or whatever the case is. But so what employment brand is really how people perceive how it is working at your company. Um, And that's both internal and external. You got to put in perspective that your internal talent too perceives what it is working at your company and how it compares to what companies out there as well. So it's really your brand. And it's like a lot, everyone, every small business, every large business has an employment brand. It's really for you to decide if you're, you're actually going to be aware of it and do something about your employment brand. Um, Cause it's there, like no one's avoiding it or so um, really employment brand is really the perception of your business of how it is to work at your business mm-hmm. from internal and external talent. And tell me, how is, uh, or why, rather, is employment brand important in recruitment? Well, I think it goes exactly to your earlier point as far as 
it is really and and like we're gonna see how covid and like what has and what's happening in the world is going to affect this but i would say for the last 10 years been really a candidate driven market so meaning the candidates have the upper hand when it comes they have options especially top talent will always have options and you have to put that in consideration so you have to be able to tell a story that attracts people to either come work at your company, your clinic, or whatever the case is. And, and that story might be different for different segment of people. Some people might really care about um, how involved the company is in the community. Someone might care in their part of their life. Maybe they have young kids and it's all about how much money they can save. So what's really important for them is the money they, they can make. For some people, it's um, in reality, it's like, do they get breakfast served at their office? Um, so there's all these perks. Do they have a ping pong table? And obviously, different people have different attraction drivers that makes them um, want to work for your company. So if you're small or, or large, if you're small, you got to see how you're, you can compete and how you can offer something that is different than what your competitor is or in, uh, that is really attractive to, to a large segment of people to work for you. And that can be everything I listed. So your pay, benefits, uh, what's the work environment? How is it to work there? What type of people you work with? So those are all factors. Brilliant, brilliant. And tell me, how is employer brand different from consumer brand? And how do consumer brand and employer brand interact with each other? And I'm sorry for all these technical questions, Serge. I just want our viewers to kind of like really wrap their heads around why employer brand is so important and how it actually, you know, uh, is differentiates from that consumer brand that people are, are more, you know, familiar with. Yeah, so I think consumer brand, or you can also call it corporate brand, which can be a little different from consumer in that sense. Um, it's been interesting because employment brand is so different. And when we talk about recruitment marketing and tied into employment brand, it is very different because it's all a game of quantity. I think one of the biggest challenges in recruitment is is always not getting too much. So put that in perspective. You put a job out, you market it, you start getting three, 400 candidates. That takes a lot of resources for your recruitment team to go through all those resumes, make sure that we're, each candidate is communicated to, even if we're not moving forward to. So part of it is, is creating that unique story that attracts the right candidates. So the level amount, uh, the amount of candidates that apply for your company are all qualified or they're, they're in a position that you, you'd like to hire them. So you're, you're better off getting 10 really qualified candidates than 300 uh, yeah. maybe not qualified. As marketing, obviously there's qualified leads, but in marketing itself, and if you're selling, say, a soap, well, you want to sell thousands. Like, so it's all a quantity game so a little bit of a different but to give you a, a perspective so employment brand and consumer brands are going to be a little bit different but they should align and saying that the message should not be very different um, if your company on the consumer brand is is very involved in say community awareness um, on volunteering like that should translate into your 
employment brand as well, because that's important. Um, but it's really interesting because when we talk about employment brand, we think about putting nice, fancy ads out there, having a really cool website, but it's all about the candidate experience. Um, and what I mean by that is if the candidate is not getting a good experience, the recruiter doesn't call them back, uh, they don't hear anything, it could potentially affect your consumer brand that people in the past didn't relate that because if you have a bad experience at a particular company, are you going to are applying for a job? Are you going to buy from there? Probably not. Um, so that's the other factor we have to put in place is consumer and employment brand are different. They're trying, one is trying to attract basically people buying your product. One is trying to attract someone to work at your company but they're not mutually exclusive. They, they can actually work together. So it, it's always a big thing. And uh, like someone, uh, James Ellis actually on the podcast mentioned, um, and it really struck me as your glass door reviews, which is usually what they're saying is a, is a measure of your employment brand. And I disagree that glass door reviews are a measure of your employment brand. They're, they're really a measure of your recruitment process. And um, like one of the things he said, and it really struck me, is you can have the best work environment. You can promise puppies all day. So when you work at company ABC, you're going to come in and you're going to get to cuddle with puppies all day. But then you come in and you can only cuddle with puppies half the day, which is still amazing. But you were promised cuddles for full day and you only get a half day so now my impression of your company is like well that's not exactly what you promised so and even though you're giving me half day you promised me full day so a lot of the times when you're looking at Glassdoor reviews it's an indictment or uh, a praise of your recruitment process how did you treat your candidates going through the process so Anyways, uh, that's a really long-winded uh, answer for Santi, but I hope that gives you really a perception between consumer and employment brand. They're very important. There should be some alignment, but they market to different people. 100%. And, you know, this is so relevant for uh, clinics and healthcare yeah. organizations because they do pro provide a service, an essential service, uh, being healthcare and therapy, uh, depending on what clinic it is. But then they also have brands within their uh, clinics that they are selling product to the um, the consumer. So yeah, no, it's great that we were able to define the difference between the two, uh, but also to understand that they are very interrelated. Um, and it's coming back to customer service at the end of the day, you know, yeah. uh, it's making sure that every aspect of um, uh, our relationships, either it's with the consumer or with our employees, are well thought of and well taken care of, and it's consistent as well. You know, the messaging is consistent. So I got, I have a question for you on that end. So you work with a lot of fairly small clinics at Health Job Hub. Uh, and is that something a conversation that's happening with your clients? Is it something that they're aware of and they're actively trying to make sure that they? they put their best foot out there. 
You know, uh, yes, I have to say that the um, clients that we are currently talking to, especially the ones who are posting on our site at the moment, um, they are all very aware of their brand and their image. And they've all, you know, uh, taken out the plans where we have social media advertising. So that speaks volumes to me. It's because they want people to know their brand and they want to share um, all the benefits of working with them. Um, in fact, I think it was our first episode in season two. We had an employer, Nose Creek Physiotherapy, who came on and shared about his uh, clinic and shared about why it's a great place to work at and the opportunities he has. Um, and he's actively trying to build his employer brand. But if you go to his website and you look at his website, he is so active in building his consumer brand as well because he's got such great um, you know, white papers on his website that you can download to talk about uh, sleep therapy or um, you know, physiotherapy, you know, different areas that, that give people uh, you know, uh, specific concerns he has a resource for you. So he's trying to cover all his bases and he feels that employment brand is just as important as all the work he's doing on consumer brand. And then likewise, we have another uh, uh, client uh, who's Jack Nathan Medical, and they are advertising for medical clinic partners across Canada for physicians to join their team and they shared a video with us and they showed us what's it like partnering with them and so if you go to our website and if you go and click on their video in their job listing it's amazing like the experience of just opening a brand new clinic within a Walmart superstore and, uh, you know, have as a physician having this turnkey opportunity to work in a state of the art facility and the big grand opening that goes with it, you know, um, it's all about their employer brand. They are trying to promote their employer brand to show that, you know, we deliver top class high quality service uh, to our partners. And uh, this is why you should partner with us really. So I do believe employer brand is something that's very, very important in healthcare. And it definitely is that competitive advantage because the skills and the talent is in such short supply. Um, so that's how they're defining themselves right now. Right. No problem. No problem. <laughs> I yeah, love no. our show. We're going to do you... a little bit of a, a mid-show adjustment and put the good old wired uh, headphones on. Okay. Can you, you, you can hear me okay? Perfectly. 100%. Well, I so, love our show. So, Prasanti, one of the things that you mentioned there, which I think is, is really helpful, because if, um, if you have small clinics... Uh, listing, I think one of the things is they need to be competing against the big regional authorities or the provincial authorities or whatever the case is. Uh, and how do you tell a story that's different? Because what someone might be attracted to go to AHS, um, as an example, or in the big one in Ontario, compared to your clinic is, well, you might have more flexible hours. You have a more sense of what your day-to-day, -day, you might have the state-of-the-art equipment that you just said. So Yes. These are all factors that you have to figure out what differentiates yourself from those larger. And some of the times the large ones need to differentiate themselves from the smaller ones as well. 100%. So yes. what I always say, if you have any employees and like the, the whole 
I guess, transformation or the whole uh, voyage to get to a, a really good employment brand is figure out why people at your company are working there. Um, so something attracted them to work there. Hopefully, uh, and hopefully it wasn't just that uh, you had a job they applied, but there's something about your clinic, your company that attracted people to go work there. So biggest thing I would say when you're starting your whole journey is like, you got to be talking to the people that are working there and figuring out why they came and the answers lie there. That's maybe your unique proposition. It's they might be coming directly from your employee. So sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Really good piece of advice. I really like that. Finding the why and and actually sometimes you may not know that, but you have to go and talk to the people who are there working for you to find out what their why is to really understand that point as well. So brilliant. I like that piece of advice. So now we're getting on to like really the meaty part of this conversation. What are your top tips and advice to employers to create an authentic employer brand? Yeah, I think this is one. And it's interesting because this is where I think smaller business have an advantage because the larger corporations tend to overproduce uh, and overthink of what your employment brand is. So they'll, they'll bring in uh, either like they'll create, say they'll, everyone has seen the corporate videos that create that really, to be honest, are not really that good, but the CEO likes it because it just portrays this very professional image. But you got to be putting perspective. Who are you trying to attract? And these are people and what, type of content do they like to consume is very important as well. So uh, the biggest mistake you can do is overproduction, especially with everything going on in the world with COVID, with Black Lives Matter, with, with everything is people are looking for a true authentic voice. So, and they want to see companies that are actually going to back up what they say um so that is how do you put that message out so this is where the power of the smartphone um now i have a tool in my pocket and i have all these free tools out there that i can actually create some really cool content that i can put out there if you're a small clinic you should start creating content for linkedin facebook all the mediums and like don't worry about perfection worry about putting the real picture of yourself out there, it will have a much bigger impact than perfection. Because I, I always say it is, if you're waiting for perfection, you're never going to get anything done. And really, you're not the judge of that content. It's the people that are watching or listening to your content who are the judge. So, And sometimes we judge ourselves way too hard. Uh, mm -hmm. I know I do that with the podcast, and you probably do this with this show is, um, you're like, ah, I missed this part or like I spoke yeah. too much. And then when you listen back or other people listen, you'd be like, no, it was great. So don't overthink it. Uh, but in reality, you should involve your employees. And when we talk about um, a true authentic self, mm -hmm. if your company is, don't lie, like put the real picture. I, in reality, people want to know what it is to work there. So if you promise that full day of puppies, and you can't offer that, well, that's going to affect your employment brand. Uh, if, um, like you, a lot of people think that perks are what it cares. Like if people go work for Google because they get free lunch or whatever the case is, if that's not something you can offer, 
that's cool too. You just have to figure out what you can offer and what that real story. But the other thing when it comes to authentic, um, don't use stock photos. If you want to like really, um, it drives me crazy when I see stock <laughs> photos, especially yeah. when they're trying to portray diversity and inclusion and they have stock photos of actually people that don't work there mm-hmm. and you go work there and it's like either not diversify at all. It's, it's false advertising in that sense. So, Using uh, real people is really important. There's also really a trend to have what we call user-generated content. So internal employees are actually creating content. Uh, You can create internal competitions. Um, I know at the company I work at, we do... We do a lot of that. Um, we do like every week we have a different employee doing an Instagram takeover. Um, so they run our Instagram account for the day. And we then take that content and create different content with it that we can leverage for our advertising. And we have very smart, creative people. And some of the content they create is like, wow, like I don't even need to do anything. I don't even need to edit it. I can just package it as as. Uh, one of our advertising and it really shows what the true self of what um, it is to work at the companies because people are going to believe people that are actually working there more than the CEO, president, um, high level executives. They're going to believe people that are actually doing the job. So one of the things that I've seen you do uh, and I think mm-hmm. is brilliant is video job postings. Have the hiring manager talk about what it is working there. But I think you said at the start, authentic is being authentic. There's there's no way you can't fake that. If you try to fake it, people will see it and your your cover is blown. No, 100%. I completely, completely agree with you. In in relation to what we do at Health Job Hub uh, and video job postings, you know, I have to admit that some employers are a little bit nervous about this. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and I don't blame them because it seems a little bit intimidating about getting onto the camera and, and especially coming live onto a camera. Um, it could take a lot from somebody. But I want to assure everybody listening to this video, it's really, really not so bad. And it's quite, um, you know, interesting to just hear the perspective of that employer sharing why the company is such a great place to work at and why should you join your team. Uh, So I definitely encourage that, um, uh, you know, other employers out there get onto your smartphones or come onto our show and share with everybody, um, you know, that you are recruiting, number one. Everybody wants to know who's hiring now, especially in these COVID days. So share that with us and also produce that content that is going to set you apart, you know, from a traditional flat black and white, boring job posting that nobody really has the time to read anymore. You know, it just literally goes in, goes out of the screen, like within seconds, but a video can capture your attention for at least five to six seconds. And in five to six seconds, you can nail it. So a question for you is, so with obviously the world of work has changed with COVID as well, and people are way like I'm on video calls five, six hours a day. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think the new way of work is going to change how people are comfortable in front of a camera? Because if you weren't before, pretty much it's now a skill or a knowledge that you have to have for the workforce because we do a lot over video conferencing, uh, a lot more than we used to. What's your thoughts around that? 
You know, I think it's 100% a game changer. It definitely is going to be changing, um, you know, especially for healthcare. And I'm, I'll give you my perspective from uh, a healthcare industry viewpoint, how that's going to be changing. I was listening to a podcast uh, that Michelle Romano was on, and she was sharing information about a call she was on with, um, I think, the CEO of Google, Eric Schmidt. And uh, they asked him what was his prediction uh, for the future post-COVID. And, you know, obviously nobody has a crystal ball. But one of his main predictions was that the general practice or the family practice or the medical clinic that we know of is going to be obsolete uh, because he feels that this uh, type of care can be moved virtually um, and it has moved virtually. COVID has forced us into going virtual um, and therefore having that skill to be able to go on live or go onto a Zoom call and communicate with the other person is critical now going forward. So I don't think it is going to be industry specific, like only for healthcare. I think across industries, it is a skill that's very necessary in today's new world we are forced into that you have to learn how to communicate and communicate effectively over video conferencing. Um, and yeah, who would have ever dreamt that you're going to be seeing your, you know, GP or your family doctor online, but this is it. This is the new world. And uh, I think it's brilliant because it's going to free up so much of time and resources uh, for people. And uh, it's just creating efficiency in my mind. I feel that it's just forcing everybody to be efficient and highly effective at what they're doing. Um, and we... I'm of the view that we should embrace that change, you know, just try and learn as much as we can. And you rightly pointed out, Serge, is sometimes, you know, you don't have to be perfect. It's just about starting, you know, practicing and, you know, in anything, playing a piano, uh, learning to play tennis, practice makes perfect. It's the same thing for video conferencing. Um, the more you practice, like look at my shows, <laughs> I started in March and oh my goodness, like, you know, 100% not perfect. But, you know, it's coming along every week. So it's, it's something that we just have to try. Well, exactly. And if we look at the whole world of work, the next 20 years, it's very skill-based. Like we talk a lot about like the gig economy or whatever the case is. And uh, I don't know if it's the gig economy, what I, I like to call it. In some ways, there's the gig economy. There's also kind of the, I guess, the hustle economy, meaning that the more skills that, that you have, the more viable you're going to be in the workforce and more you can bring to different companies. That doesn't matter um, in what sector and what uh, industry, what vertical you work in. Um, but if you can learn how to, like an example, even edit video, how to produce content, uh, think about the value of a small clinic. If you have the ability that you can create really compelling social media posts with video, uh, you can create... Um, video job video job uh, postings things like that um, these are all skill set as a potential employee that companies are going to be looking for so being comfortable on camera is unfortunately or fortunately is it's going to be very important in the next 15 20 years the whole but you got to put in um, there's the other factor is too is not everyone's ever going to be fully um, competent or really attracted to it on camera and that's fine you got to find where your niche is and for yeah. some people they're wonderful writers and do that 
Uh, some people are, are great, but the more skill sets you can learn or skills that you can learn in this new economy, it's, it's very worthwhile. Um, you, you'll leverage it for sure. No, no, that's brilliant. And, you know, I think our, uh, this top tips and advice to employers, uh, to create an authentic employer brand nicely merged in. And I think we covered a lot of it, but I don't know if you have any other takeaways. What would it take for employees to create great video content for the employer brand? And I know we just covered a lot of that yeah, yeah. in this question. But, um, you know, it, I think my question there is, does video content really set you apart? Is that what makes you be authentic? Because it's you or it's your, you know, employees coming onto the video and, and sharing their stories or is uh or could we do it outside of video content as well you know well you have to find your voice and video is one that i think is is pretty straightforward because you're really seeing a true picture of someone or at least a, a a pretty clear representation so video is is going to be important as we we said at the start it's um it's you need to figure out how to stand out and there's so many different ways and how we've always looked at video is that overproduction, large, um, very expensive. So you think about your small clinic or your even a corporation be like the cost of bringing a production team and everything involved is it can be really intimidating and really you might not feel you're getting the value of so, but constant create content creation from your smartphone because the smartphone as we were talking before is like think about it like Rasanti like we didn't have a tool like this 10 years ago five years ago in the same quality like an iPhone 11 now is like probably better than a camera and like for any camera uh, fanatics on uh, it's probably better quality of camera than it was 15 years ago, just straight from a thing you have in your pocket that you can actually, so think about it. You can actually take the video, you can edit it, <laughs> you can actually publish it, and then you can create the marketing around it all from your oh. smartphone. Like I do everything from my smartphone. <laughs> like I, I edit the, uh, our podcast, so, which is audio but different. I've edited parts of our video podcast as well right from my cell phone. So, um, yeah, I, I think video creation and true showing your true authentic self is, is going to be very important. Don't think about the overproduction. And you might get to a point that you want to bring in a company like we had uh, Elena Valentine from Skillscale. You might want to bring someone at that particular point to help right. you guide create your your whole strategy and and how it works but i have my advice is just like start recording start uh, i think it's it, gary vaynerchuk it says document document everything you do um which i think is is true like people want to see behind uh like behind the current uh, yeah. so that's something you can leverage as well so to answer your question along with kind of winded way is uh yes I, I think it's really important to leverage video but don't overthink it start creating um there's free software on there to editing as you get better like yes. you said Prasanti, you've got real you've no, i think you were good at the start but you've gotten better at what you're doing here uh and it's the same just start doing and then it will get better people like it takes years to build 
a brand. It takes years. So it's not something you get one video, you get two likes, you're like, oh, that didn't work out. No, you keep creating content and you keep getting better. People will see what it is to work at your clinic or at your company. Awesome, awesome. And I see we have a viewer comment. I think it's a comment and not a question, but it says agreed. I think our, our viewer agrees with us on, on a lot of the points that we are making. And, and now there are virtual offices. Actually, that's a good uh, point, Serge. What are your thoughts on virtual offices? Uh, well, I think virtual, I've worked remotely for, for years. So coming into this situation, I obviously I'm working remotely right now is, what I found in this world, because what like my situation was, we had a head office in Toronto, and I was one of very few employees that worked out of Calgary. So when we had meetings, I was on the Zoom call or WebEx or whatever we use, and everyone was in a meeting room. Talk about a huge talk about a huge disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a huge, but now everyone is working from home, giving the aspect. I think. Right now with COVID and if we look at the U.S., especially with all the cases, the mandation of having employees come back into the office to me is is kind of ridiculous um, because we can be so much more effective working virtually with the right tools if we're set up right at home with, with the proper equipment. Um, that we can do video calls. Like I said, my work right now, I do probably five, six Zoom calls a day. Um, I actually am expanding people that if you work in an office, you're going to have the people you work with, but you don't always go outside that circle. As now with video, it kind of like it Democrat, like it puts everyone in the same position. So I think we're going to see a lot more of it. Companies are realizing that they can be way more effective. I think the challenge is, is a lot of the CEOs and um, like senior executives mm-hmm. are in a generation that they don't feel comfortable working remotely. They feel like if you're not in office, as I'm not seeing what you're doing on a daily basis, you're not performing or you're not doing your job. So I think we're going to see that where um, that's going to change, like the new leadership. So I'm, I'm Generation X. Um, then if we look at most of senior leadership is the boomer generation and love the boomers. And, uh, but in reality, they're used to a way of work that is changing right before their eyes. Generation X, Generation Y, Generation Z mm-hmm. want the... Um, want their work to be judged on performance and on actual production, not based on how many hours I put in at what particular time. Um, There's horrible examples out there of companies, I think I mentioned in my last podcast, of Mm -hmm. companies having the employees have their Zoom on all day so they can go in and check. If you're that company... Like, what is that about? That is crazy. You're going to fail. You're going to fail if your company is, is like that. So, um, yeah, no, I think virtual is, is, is the future. I think if you're a white-collar employee, yeah. um, you better get used to working virtually because you mentioned it even like seeing your physician, seeing your physiotherapist, like a lot of that is being done virtually. Um, so, yeah. 
And I think in healthcare, it's going to be a little bit easier to uh, provide that virtual um, service and to, um, you know, be duly monitored because everything is a consult almost, you know, it's, it's not uh, sort of white collar and a lot of uh, just paperwork. Of course, there is a lot of paperwork in healthcare too. I'm not underestimating yeah. that. But the, the key uh, service or, you know, primary uh, delivery is therapy or, or, you know, it's providing advice and consultation. So it's very hard to get around that. And I think virtual is a brilliant, uh, you know, format to communicate that. Um, so I think in healthcare, they're going to be a little bit better off than uh, white collar industry, to be honest. Um, so I just feel that we all need to embrace that, it's especially like, uh, clinical psychologists or psychiatrists. This is a brilliant platform. And I don't know if you've noticed that, like there's been an emergence of so many uh, like mental health uh, sort of um, apps now that's released that you can get mental health treatment and therapy on your smartphone. Like if it wasn't for COVID, we would not have had all these brilliant uh, opportunities. So yeah, I, I think the virtual office is, is a good thing and it's uh, forcing change, but forcing change in the right direction. Um, and it's just bringing more access to services, you know, all around. So I, I think there's a lot of pluses as opposed to minuses on that one. Yeah, I agree. So, you know, coming on nicely to our uh, almost last question, how do you think employment brand will change post-COVID? Well, I think COVID is just like, um, the, if, let's put it in perspective, there's COVID, which has been something is kind of a one in a generation or <laughs> one that that's happened and it's affected the way we work and how employed. But we've been part of so many, it's such a, an interesting time. Uh, interesting is the word I'll use, but I'm sure there's other words you can use it. Well, let's, let's look at COVID. Um, obviously, a lot of companies are, or a lot of employees are very concerned about their health. Um, and then we put in perspective that um, that's really put a burden on companies. When I say burden, I mean it likely is of they have to be very careful in how they treat their employees because people will remember it and people will be asking when they're going to the interview process how well did you treat your employees during covid uh, did you help them and they were did you give them the ability to work from home what about the people that had maybe elderly parents the parents that you did not want to put it, did you accommodate these people so they wouldn't be a position that they would bring home? So I think that's going to be a question. And I, I've actually raised that question myself. And I'm like, I, I think candidates, in for any candidates that are listening, I think you this is something you're going to have to push employers as you're interviewing because you're interviewing them as well. Uh, and the ones that didn't take care of their employees are going to see their employment brands suffer. Uh, and I think that's exactly the same with everything that's going on with quality and the Black Lives Movement, that people want to know where you stand. And just sitting on, on the fence, which still a lot of companies do, is, is just not going to be seen right. Like you're going to be seen as really... Um, if you didn't speak out, and actually when I say speak out, you actually have to do something as well. You have to show true commitment and put action steps in place that you are a really quality-based employer and that's a, a core element. 
Yeah. Uh, but I think for COVID specifically, I think is how you treated your employees, how you treat it is, is going to be a question. You're going to find that on the glass door and indeed reviews. Uh, you're going to see some hints of how companies have done that. But I strongly suggest that if you're a candidate, you start asking that question because I'm nervous that employers will forget it. And a year from now, they'll go back to their old habits. So it's on us. Um, when I say us, it's all candidates, future job seekers, anyone to really put our, our employers to task on that. Um, so I think it will change. I'm hoping it will. I will be really disappointed if two years from now um, that it just disappears, um, that companies don't care anymore. No, I, I totally agree. And before I go on to this, to your comment, um, I also, you know, heard of some incredible stories, um, especially from South Africa, where uh, from healthcare employers, like the, the big, large, dominant ones, um, and their staff uh, had gotten COVID. Um, and what they facilitated was isolation. So, you know, they would offer the um, healthcare workers the opportunity to quarantine outside their homes so that they can keep their families safe. Um, and they provided accommodation and meals um, and care as well. Um, you know, for these healthcare workers. And I just thought that was absolutely brilliant because, you know, um, for sure, as a healthcare worker, you do understand that your job by default is extremely risky at this stage. Um, but then knowing that you have an employer that actually cares about your health and wellness as well as your family's health and wellness and to be able to, you know, uh, put you into an isolation um, situation where you are very comfortable and looked after is almost unheard of. But employers are doing that, uh, you know, and I think that speaks volumes. And I think a lot of other healthcare employers who are listening in, um, you know, this is a, a great tip for you. You know, it's, it's just about not how you are portraying your employment brand, but how you're actually treating those um, employees when they need you the most, especially yes. now during COVID. Well, like I said at the start, is your employer brand is really what the perception of your internal employees too. Like that is probably the most important thing. So when we talk about building your employer brand, like treat your employees well, and that will go a long way because the best communicator of what it is to work within a company is someone that works within the company. So I, I love your point, like how people are treated, but it is going to be the biggest way that you can really strong, uh, build a strong employment brand. Yes. Uh, but also it's just being like we're we're all in this together it's all about being kind and a good corporate citizen to to the world so yeah i agree with you completely no 100 percent uh so this is the comment i think we were talking about uh you know virtual offices and i was actually saying that virtual offices is a really good thing uh but kershney uh, does not agree she says that there's no buy-in from the patient population or, or not great buy-in from the patient population and also in terms of mental health there's disparities between the lower income and the middle income and the higher income groups emerging so you know Although I feel, and I can see this point clearly now, although I feel that for the employer perspective and the employee perspective that virtual clinics can be 
a brilliant thing and would you know, uh, result in a lot of access to healthcare. But if the patient who's receiving this treatment doesn't have access to the computer or to the Wi-Fi or to the internet, I could definitely see how that might impact the whole delivery of the, you know, healthcare service. So yeah, no, that was a great point. Thank you. I, I agree. That's a very good point. Cause, uh, and that's something that really, I wasn't thinking about as far as the patient side, because there is a disparity in the world as far as we even think about it. And we kind of take an assumption that everyone has high speed internet access, but the percentage is actually a lot smaller than, and then what we think it is. Uh, and there's definitely a disparity between low, middle, and also there's, there's comfort level. Um, like we are native, like digital native in some ways, or not even, I think you're around the same generation as I am, but like, we were the second phase of digital, but you think about kids coming up now, they're all digital native. Oh. Uh, but then you think about the population that uses healthcare services the most, uh, they're not digital native. So this is a big shift for them. Uh, and this is uh, like, I, I know for like teaching my parents how to use um, their iPad to do FaceTime was a massive challenge. So I, I sense that pain and there's something we're going to need to be to be done to make sure that um that all levels of of, of people and when i say level that so but basically low middle high income all have the same access um so i don't know if that's i think there's that's a, a discussion that um probably professionals that know more about the healthcare sector should probably have but it's a very good point no, no, thank you. Thank you, Koshni, for that. We have another uh, viewer question. Thank you, Manny. Has the COVID pandemic not made employees seem to be liabilities than assets? Um, <laughs> I'm giving that one to you, <laughs> Well, if your company sees your, and I would say you, I don't mean yourself, Manny, but if a company sees their employees as a liability, um, you probably don't want to be working there in, in so many ways. And I think what he's trying to say is because of uh, reduced amount of, um, so obviously a lot of business when COVID hit is a lot of projects were shelved, a lot of potential clients went away. So now we put no revenue is coming in uh, and you have all your employees to take care of. So that puts you in a very tough position. Um, especially for small, medium business that are really sometimes surviving month to month or whatever the case is. Mm -hmm. uh, so I could see how you could potentially see it as a liability, but I, I rather use the sense that um, your employees got you to where you're at and the ability to take care of them and put them in a position in the case that your business really is struggling employees will understand that you maybe need to put them on furlough or you need to temporarily lay them off to put yourself, put your business in a position that it can survive. But it all goes back to humanity and how, what you do and you do the maximum you can for that potential employee. But at the end of the day, we're in a knowledge economy. So as the economy recovers from this, um, losing your top employees right now or getting, laying them off and not bringing them back on when it picks up, you're going to be in a really tough situation because it's really knowledge-based and it's really um, people that have a competitive advantage with the people they have. So, And that's not going to change. So I would argue that 
um, definitely COVID has not changed anything in that end that your employees are still your biggest asset. Um, obviously, you have to manage that with the current environment. Uh, but again, it's all about treating your people as fairly and uh, putting yourself empathy is such a skill that leadership needs now. Um, you have to put yourself in your talent shoes and, and make sure that you take care of them as much as you can. No, thank you. Thank you so much for that, Manny. Thank you for the question. And if there's any other viewer questions out there, please um, you know, share them with us on the live chat. If we don't get to them on the live show, we will get to them after the show as well. So thank you for participating. Serge, this was an awesome show. I love all the you know, uh, brilliant insights you've given our viewers. Are there any final thoughts you'd like to leave us with? Final thought. So I, I think the biggest thing is when we're thinking an employment brand might be just a big fancy word in so many ways. Like we should always be aware. And even though the market has changed a little bit, that used to be very candidate driven. And obviously with candidate COVID, it's, it's, it's more employer driven. Um, but that will change really quickly as well. Like the economy shifts really quickly. So you should always treat your employees with the best quality care or um, the best situation for them to be able to strive within your organization because that is going to build your employment brand long term employment brand is not about fancy pictures and logos and it's really about the experience of a candidate that is applying there and someone that works there so fix that first make sure that little things when someone is applying for your job for a job on your website that it's very easy to do because that you will get better quality candidate. And I know the opposite is people say, well, if they take longer, they're more engaged. No, they have options. So instead of having your application process take 30 minutes, it should not take less, more than five minutes. There's research that shows that every minute after two minutes, you lose a pretty large percentage of the people going through the application process because top talent has options, even though in a different economy. So think about the candidate experience. If you say you're going to call them uh, to book an interview, call them to book an interview. If they're not a fit for your job, tell them. Um, don't ghost them, as we, as the kids say now. Um, so the candidate experience, this is what you can control with spending zero money as a small clinic, small business, medium, large company. You should take care of your candidates going through and obviously your people that are working internally. Uh, it's very important to make sure that they feel warranted and um, they, they're put in a situation to succeed within your company. So that's what I would say now is like take care of what you can and you can control your candidate experience and you can control your employee experience. 100%. And especially in healthcare, I have to re-emphasize the point that these candidates are in high demand. Nurses are in high demand. Physicians are in high demand. Um, the way you as an employer look after your most valuable assets in this time where they are working in unprecedented circumstances and you know faced with uh, you know, life and death situations on a daily basis, uh, you know, you can really define your employer brand by the way you look after those employers, uh, those employees now at this stage. So this was amazing. Thank you so much for all your great tips and advice, Serge. I really, really um, 
took a lot of value from it. And, and one thing I would say, though, you did say that if employees need to post a job, they need to make it as quick and easy as possible um, and not make the candidate wait. I totally agree. Like when I communicate with, for example, physician candidates, it's all via text messaging. You know, a lot of it is like really quick uh, because number one, they don't have the time or the resources uh, to just spend, uh, you know, uploading a CV and, and taking uh, uh, a, a lot of uh, time uh, answering an application online, um, and then they lose interest in that. Um, so yeah, you know, just trying to streamline your uh, job posting or your application process for those employers and make that candidate experience uh, much better um, than a traditional uh, situation would be great. And to that point, Health Job Hub has a very, very streamlined application system. So like if you post a job and somebody is applying to the job, like less than two minutes, they can send an application to you and it's all good. And you get it straight into your inbox. Uh, so we make it so simple and straightforward for employers and job seekers to connect on our platform um, and yes it does sound like a marketing line here but it's true uh, because true. our um, uh, experience dealing with these candidates and understanding what they need and how they want to connect we've streamlined our process to accommodate that so I definitely encourage you all employers out there watching definitely consider using our platform because we can definitely help you streamline and make it very simple for these candidates to connect with you Special thanks to all our amazing viewers. Thank you for joining us live on this show, Pulse by Health Job Hub and watching. Thank you for all your questions. We do appreciate that. If we don't get to you on the show, we will definitely get to you after the show. And don't forget, if you enjoyed our show, please smash the like button, follow us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and please share with your network. Thank you, guys. Stay safe and God bless. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We, we out. out.